In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? (laughs) Heavenly Father, in this place and in this time, we ask that you would help us to worship with our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. Transform us. Put us back on your palette. Paint our lives. Paint who we are for your glory, for your name's sake. Heavenly Father, that our lives would reflect who you are and the changes you make in a life to transform, renew, and make all things new, even as you promised in the book of Revelation. And so this morning, Heavenly Father, as we gather, may your spirit be upon us here. Even as Isaiah saw you high and lifted up, there was a purpose behind that. So, Heavenly Father, show us our purpose here today. Under that end, Heavenly Father, may the words in my mouth, the meditations in our hearts, and the thoughts in our minds be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord God, you are our strength, our rock, and my Redeemer. Amen. I have a simple illustration for you today, and, um, and I'm going to ask you a few questions as I do it, and you may probably understand better than I do some of these concepts. Maybe you've worked with some of those things, but I'm going to break it down to its very basic fundamentals, and I think it'll help. So I'm going to grab that right now, and basically what I have is a dry erase board, something to write with. And something to hold it up. Anybody ever seen a tripod or uh, or a canvas? Do you know what they call a tripod in that regard? What? Yeah, it's an easel, exactly. And he's even here an artist. I mean, I mean, even moderately, or tried to paint or color things. I, I'm horrible at it. I can't even draw a stick figure very well. And, and that's just straight lines. But what I have here, and I want this to represent your life before you were born. This is an easel, and God says it's, it's a clean slate. But there are four things in your life 
that are going to be important to you that you're going to have to work through and understand. And those four things are your community, your family, your work ethic, and your faith, what you believe. So four things in our lives that we work through. And as we grow in our life, we begin to put different meanings to those things. For I'll, I'll write them on here so you don't have to think about them. It's family, uh, work or work ethic. Some of us don't like to work, so work ethic is the better way to put that. I was referring to me, I don't like hard work. <laughs> Wasn't saying anybody here. Our faith and community, uh, belonging if you will, acceptance, all that comes into community. Doesn't necessarily mean where you live. But this is uh, the easel of your life. Those things are on there. And as we grow, we put value on those things, what's important to us, what matters. And all those different things we make decisions about and beliefs about as we grow older. When we do that, we have a belief system, an understanding of how the world works. And it's based on our, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our will. And all those decisions are based on what we've learned or understood about who we are. And that mind, will, and emotions, if you will, which is an underlying theme of this, is our soul. So our mind, will, and emotions are our soul that help us to understand and make decisions about those things. When we come to faith, understanding of Christ, all of these things, we see our true understanding of them. And God asks us to let go of what we've understood for His new understanding. The reason I share with you this with you is Isaiah was in the midst of a nation that was perverse. They did not love God. Although they were the Jewish nation, they did not honor God with their words or their actions or even their beliefs. And when God filled that temple that He saw with smoke, fire, and all that God was, He said, I'm in trouble. I am a man who doesn't honor God in any of his stuff. And I am doomed. That word undone means I'm going to be destroyed. And he looks at himself in the light of God's presence. And he says this. In God's honest truth, I've never spoken a non-blasphemous word. And you might say, does that mean he swore a lot? And the answer is no, he did not swear a lot. What Isaiah did was he had selfish motives. Self-seeking, self-serving. In other words, everything he did, his words, his actions were all tainted with pride and selfish interests. When we come into the presence of God and we think, God, I'm so glad I'm here, and we really see God in His high and lifted up in holiness, as Isaiah saw Him, we go, God, God uh, I'm selfish. I'm not anything like you want me to be. I'm not holy. I thought all my good deeds would make you love me, and all my good deeds are just filthy rags. That's what Isaiah says. All the things I try to do to make God love me is junk. What an awakening 
And Isaiah says, my mind, my will, my emotions, my very soul has done nothing to honor God. And my whole nation is the same way. Now we learned a few weeks ago that in any, any ungodly nation, God reserves a remnant for himself. Usually about 10% of the people will not walk after ungodly things, no matter how socially acceptable and appealing it may be. And so Isaiah is talking about how he needs to be a holier person in the presence of God, but he is not. In that moment, when Isaiah says the truth about himself before God in terms of God's righteous holiness and sees himself as an impure, unholy man, he begins to worship. He's telling the truth about himself, but more so about God. That we live and serve a God that is holy that is righteous in all that he does, that is loving and has motives that are pure and good and just. And he's seeking the same from his people. When we begin to stand in the presence of God, we understand that. Someone asked me one time, what's the definition of humility? I like this. It's when I stop comparing myself to other people and start comparing myself to God's character. <clears throat> Humility, if I compare myself to other people, at least I'm not as bad as they are. And I'm trying, I'm better than I was. But humility says, I look at God as my example, and I, I just don't measure up. Not without His grace, His mercy, His righteousness, and His heart formed in me, I just can't measure up. That's true humility. If I'm saying, oh, at least I'm not, you know, hurting people and stealing and robbing and lying to everybody, God's going to say, I don't care about what you're not doing. I want to know the character of your heart and what you are doing that's holy. You see, we can't act ourselves into holiness and we can't not do something to make us holy. In other words, I've never lied. That doesn't make you holy. It just means you never lied. If you tell the truth all the time, it means you've never lied, but it doesn't make you holy. The only thing that makes you holy is God's heart formed in you. And Isaiah saw in the presence of the living God what God's heart and purpose were for the people, how much he loved them and wanted to transform the nation of Israel into a holy people. And he looked at himself, he looked at the nation and says, we're in trouble. I'm more in trouble because I'm standing in the presence of this God and I don't think I'm going to live through this to tell anybody. Why? Because he saw the tragedy, the travesty, if you will, of his life and himself. And he saw that he lived from his mind, will, and emotions that his society said were acceptable but which God said weren't even close to being holy. That's a problem. And I hope you agree with me that that's a problem. These things, our mind, our will, emotions, our decisions, all need to be undone. 
done. Undone means destroyed. And you say, wait a minute, what do you mean? I mean in our absolute trust of what they tell us. Because they will not always lead us to godly decisions. When we come in the presence of God, we're going to be like every single other person where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Christ Jesus is the Lord, He is who He said He was, that He asks us to walk a straight and narrow path, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to do all these things, and we're going to look at ourselves and say, woe is me, I did not do that my whole life. And He's going to look at us and say, you're not dead yet. He's going to take this easel, the pallet, and say, get back up on the easel and let me finish what I started working on in your life. Let me chisel the junk away and remold you as clay the way I see fit. So often we've come to Christ and we believe and then we start living our life the way we think we should. Thinking that God will work on us as He needs to. God works on us every day. He's got something for us every single day. His mercies are new every day. Every morning, God has something new for us to see that we needed mercy for. Now we look at ourselves in light of His countenance and we say, God... I'm still not like you. Please, mold me. This day, show me someone that you're trying to reach through me. That's a prayer, I think, that calls for the deepest sense of worship out of our hearts. If you ever read Jeremiah chapter 18, it's the story of the potter's house. And Jeremiah is called down by God, moved to watch the the potter, and he's taking clay and he's molding it, and he looks at the vessel. And the vessel doesn't look exactly like what it's supposed to. And, and the clay hasn't hardened yet. It's still moldable. Clay hasn't finished its course and been a, a completed work yet. So he looks at it and said, it's not quite right. So what does he do? He mushes it back together into a ball. And that mushing process is called breaking or undoing. As Isaiah said, I am undone. I am broken. And he takes that vessel and begins to mush it together and work it to a vessel that he sees fit for its design specific purpose. The potter does that. The clay, all it has to do is be moldable, willing to let the potter do whatever it needs to be done. In all Hello and welcome to the Waking Up to Grace podcast, where we celebrate and explore the finished work of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The Waking Up to Grace podcast can be found on every major platform. And now, here's Lenny. All areas of our life. If one's out of kilter, you know 
that God's going to do some work there. We may be really good in family and horrible at work. We may have a strong faith in Christ, but miserable in our community. It, whatever one it is, all those areas, God's trying to get into balance with our lives. And not only is He trying to get into balance, He's trying to make those decisions based on His principles through His Spirit that we would not make a decision without Him. When we get honest with God, something happens. We say, God, change my heart. My heart. Not my soul, my heart. Because my heart is the passion of life. As one thinks in his heart, so is he, right? As my heart lives out. So God, change my heart which guides the actions of my mind, will, and emotions. Folks, you're not your mind. That's your thinker. You're not your will. That's what you choose to do. You're not your emotions. Those keep changing. You are the heart that tells all those things how to respond to this world and to live. It's the passion and the love that God's trying to rekindle that's behind all of that. If you say, well, wait a minute, I am my mind. You can change your mind. <laughs> you can't change your heart. Only God can. And when Isaiah saw this problem, that his whole nation had all of this wrong, it's all self-seeking, he said, we have a heart problem. Why? Because our will and our decisions is based on self rather than God. It's an easy test for yourself in your own life to see if it's true. In Psalm 51, David is crying out. He's been with Bathsheba. He knows, and God knows, that he's made a horrible mistake when he committed adultery. And in the midst of that, he feels broken. And he says, God, if I could give a sacrifice, I'd give it. But you, you don't delight in that. He says in verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken heart. God, you will not reject a broken heart. A lot of times we talk about broken like, well, he broke my heart or she broke my heart. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a heart that's broken because it realizes we're, we're our own worst enemy. We're self-sabotaged. We're against our own life's purpose and plan. We've gotten off the easel of God's creative actions in our life. And our heart's broken about it. And when we're broken, we say, God, I can't change. I don't know what to do. I'm on, I have no idea where to go or how to change this. I'm so confused, scared, lonely, unsure, and nobody around me knows the answers either. That's what undone feels like. That's what Isaiah felt in the presence of God. And he said, God, I'm not going to be able to live like this. Truly, if we aren't living out God's will for our life, we're not truly living. Not really. We're just surviving on selfish interests. I don't want that for you. And I hope you don't want that for you. There's more to life than that. And God says, there's a better plan. There's a better way. There is the way.
which is love, when your heart is remolded after him. Here's good news, though. There is great news. In Isaiah, Jesus is prophesied about, if you will. And it says in Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And in Luke, Jesus quotes it. In chapter 4, hear what Jesus says. He's quoting Isaiah. And I like how he says it. He says, this is Jesus speaking, and here this is, he's speaking it to you. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to those who can't afford grace. For He has sent me to heal those whose hearts are broken and to preach deliverance to those in bondage and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that have been bruised and destroyed and to preach it's God's time. Jesus says he's come to heal. That there is no other way to take care of that situation when you're undone. I invite you this morning to look at your life. Have you been trying to figure out why it's not coming together and things keep falling apart. Ask God to put you back on the easel. Climb back up there yourself and say, God, I'm not doing anything till you start doing it through me. Change me, God. I'm tired of my life this way. I want you to run my life. You do it. You make the decisions. Mine don't work. Guess what? Sooner or later in life, you're going to realize yours don't work unless God has put your heart first in His kingdom and you have kept it there. The heart runs everything in our lives. And if it's not God's heart, you're not going to get the peace that comes from those choices and how your family and everything else runs. We cannot solve this world's problems with this world's answers. It is a fundamental spiritual brokenness that we recognize when we come in the presence of God. And we realize that medication, counseling, words, encouragement are all good things, but they do not change the core issue which is the human heart. If you've never felt God's molded hands reach into your heart and begin to mold it over, this morning I want you to do that. God's been asking you to surrender. That is the act of worship that gets all this back in proper perspective. What good is a great community if God isn't in it? What good is faith without a God that's bigger than you? Or a Christ that can break through the chains and that's bigger than any sin or other issues in our world. And what about our work? What does it matter if it doesn't glorify God? If we're not able to glorify God through our work, are we not being self-deceiving if we say we're a believer? And what about our family? 
What if our family is a horrendous nightmare and yet we say we're believers and we're acting like our family is a war ground? How can God bless that? How can you be healed in that situation? The answer is you cannot. We call that dysfunctional thinking or thinking that comes up with the wrong answer because it has the wrong information and the wrong source for healing. I'm going to say this Jesus' words once again. If you have a broken heart, He came to heal it. A life that's undone. He came to restore it. He is the only one qualified to do that. Nobody else, nothing else can do it. So I'm going to take this off because this is a generic life. I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to leave the easel up there. It's empty. Intentionally now. And God's saying, I got a colorful palette. I got some grays, some blues, some reds, some joys, some peace to mix in there. Will you let me finish the job? Jesus said it like this I came to be broken, bread for you, poured out blood for you, so that you could be healed of your brokenness. And he would be the one that's broken and you don't have to be. He was broken for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquities. He gave his lifeblood so that we would not have to live undone. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the word of truth and hope that Christ is. That he always is looking for us. And Heavenly Father, the truth is, when we come into your presence and look at ourselves and our lives, we're way past the breaking point. We just need to be broken. But only by you, God. You break our heart. But this world won't do it anymore. Amen.